Hearts. Welcome to the Normalizing Average Podcast. Join us as we dive into the stories behind the people who have overcome setbacks to achieve success, celebrating the average moments on the path to extraordinary results. Let's go. Okay. Welcome, 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 guys. This is Normalizing Average. I am your host, Eve Duke. And on the podcast today, we have Chris Rubens. And I'm going to hit you with his intro. Chris has been a globally recognized skier for the last 20 years dedicated and extremely passionate about skiing the mountains. He spends as much time as possible in the backcountry every winter, specializing in putting beautiful lines down on mountain for both film and photo projects. He spends most of his winters collaborating with someone free ski and Sherpa cinema. In between ski trips, Chris resides in Revelstoke, British Columbia, which provides a backyard of endless opportunities for outdoor pursuits. Chris, thank you for coming on the show. I think that's it. Is that a wrap? Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. That sums up everything you need to know. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. You were one of the few people who I'm able to just Google, and Google has like I don't need to Google Chris Rubin skier, Chris Rubin Solomon. It's just Chris Rubin's. The internet knows who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I guess maybe like my name's spelled differently than the sandwich, so it's like somewhat unique. But I feel like <laughs> there's another Chris Rubin's artist out there somewhere, but it's maybe it's not it's as like on Pop- page popular google yeah. search page seven like the poor guy yeah. doesn't have a chance <laughs> yeah no it's i mean it's fair to say that i'm fairly active on the old world wide web um As over the, need to be. Mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely definitely turned into that for sure all right well let's talk about let's talk about your career and and how you got there and if you want to add anything to your bio or anything that we missed in there uh you can yeah. Yeah, let us know where we're at. Yeah, I mean, my the, the bio definitely like sums up the general gist of it. Um, but yeah, I'll be going into basically my like twentieth year as a professional skier next year, which is completely insane. That's about fifteen years longer than I ever expected it to be. Well, <laughs> to be fair, it's about twenty years longer than I ever expected it to be, and then it seems to keep going. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got my start. I was a ski racer. Um, and that's just because, um, I, well, I kind of have a very funny, like upbringing. My parents are both British and then my sister and I were actually born in Australia. And then we moved to Calgary when I was five and a half. Um, my dad, yeah, my dad had a job in the, in the oil, oil business. And, um, he, uh, had a job opportunity and they always wanted to move and move to the mountains and not that Calgary's in the mountains, but the mountains are right there. And then, uh, so we moved and then, um, immediately got into skiing. And I think they found this like ski racing program called Nancy green, which we all know at the time or now, but we knew nothing about it. And they're like, wait, you're going to take our kids for the weekend and we can go skiing. Like, this is amazing. Like there was, there was no, like, (laughs) Oh my, I want my kids to be a world cup ski racer or whatever. Um, and so that was with the Sunshine Village Ski Club, which was like a very um, non-competitive, like fun um, club. And I mean, skiing was very different back then. Like we were, didn't take ski racing very seriously. We were like super excited to actually ski gates because most of the time we were just like free skiing around the mountains. Um, but ended up being pretty decent at ski racing. And um, I guess it's kind of like anything I do, I get super into it so went 
down the competitive path of ski racing till I was about 16 years old, um, basically grade 11. And then kind of had this like turning point uh, where I was supposed to go, I was, I was supposed to get on the provincial team um, and due to whatever reason, they didn't name me to the, or to the, uh, the team. And so I, uh, I kind of had an option to like keep skiing for another year, ski racing for another year, or, um, and that would have, that would have been my grade 12 year. And I would have had to do, do it in two years. Like ski racing was so intense at the time. And I, I kind of just hated school. Um, and my parents <laughs> wanted me to do good in school. And so I decided not to like keep ski racing and buckle down for a year, get good grades. And I joined the Rocky Mountain Freeriders, which was uh, run by Guy Mowbray, who now lives in Revelstoke as well, uh, which was like the first kind of freeride um, team at the time. Eric Horlifson was a coach. I joined it with his brother, Stevie, and then uh, Kevin Yurtis was um, one of the coaches as well. And those are kind of like, that's like kind of the mentor crew that I grew up with. Um, Eric was like well on his path to being a pro skier. To be honest, I wasn't thinking about being a pro skier at all. Um, at really any given point, I kind of just never thought I was like good enough. But then you just kind of ended up pursuing um, these opportunities, and all of a sudden, it's twenty years later. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a super fun kind of way to do things. Um, so that year, got good grades said peace to high school was not my thing and uh, your final year of high school so you just had to make it through that yeah that yeah exactly push. I I still have like one of my like strongest memories is leaving like the last exam of high school just being like I'm never coming back to this um just yeah it wasn't for me and then yeah work like worked that summer and then moved out to Canmore and that was kind of like the beginning of the end um did a year of with the RMF and then by the next year I was coaching it and then I, I guess it's like when you come back to the this like like the start of being a pro skier is it was it was so different back then everything was new so like Rocky Mountain Freeriders it was like I mean I joined it maybe three years in it was like the first freeride team of its type and there was mm -hmm. no other com competitors or anything like that and then at the same time, this uh, free ride store in Calgary opened up named Fresh. And I walked in there when I was like 18 and was like, hey, man, will you sponsor me? And uh, <laughs> he was like, well, yeah, send me a resume and blah, blah, blah. And like got a good like schooling in, in how to like present myself from him. And he, mm -hmm. he was kind of his name is Steve Sarenchuk and still owns Fresh today. And he was like kind of a, one of our biggest like business cheerleaders um he knew the industry he, he hooked me up with all my first sponsors um which uh, i mean solomon that that continues to this day so uh big thanks to him and he just kind of like just helped us put a name um to skiing in western canada at that time there was definitely like a scene in the bow valley um mm -hmm. but the the epicenter of the world was Whistler. Um, mm -hmm. So that's like really where the scene was. Um, so yeah, like over the years, had different film projects and, and different opportunities and they kept getting better. And, and I ended up spending a lot of time in Whistler. It was kind of like expected. Um, mm -hmm. 
And then after about four years of living in Canmore, I made the move to Revelstoke and that was the year before uh, like the resort uh, was announced or anything like that. So, and it was kind of just like this backcountry Mecca, but it was closer to Whistler too. Um, and I was, wasn't like ready to, to move to Whistler. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like a, a jumble of stories in there. Um, but you then as like far the as like one person who didn't wasn't drawn to get right into the Whistler scene <laughs> well I mean it's funny it's like the Rockies I mean they still have it it's like they're you're like bred to hate Whistler it's like this thing and and uh um like Eric ended up like we, we were spending he was like I mean he's my best friend and we kind of had uh blossoming ski careers at the same time so we spent a lot of time filming together and he ended up moving to Whistler and I moved to Revy and uh yeah it's just kind of funny you like hate on these places but now I mean Whistler's like a second home to me to some degree I have mm -hmm. tons of friends there and you go there and you just do the exact same things as you do in Revelstoke like you go to potlucks you like avoid downtown like that sort of thing you know it's like you don't get up you don't go to like the crazy tourist side of things um mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty funny it was like a good good learnable there um but yeah like yeah so um kind of jumped into the scene like working construction or landscaping all summer and that paid for being a professional skier like yeah um yeah I say like 20 years of being a professional skier but realistically it's like probably only like eight maybe that's like only, actually like only full. be able to or only need to ski yeah totally yeah mm -hmm. it's like yeah and it, and it just kind of snowballed like um you know the first year was like here kid here's a pair of skis like go get them like and you're like cool like this is awesome and then shooting photos and and uh video parts were coming up and uh just kept kind of pursuing it and then at some point there I got like a break uh through Eric uh with the matchstick guys um and I guess that was kind of like my big break into like the more mainstream side of things um first and it was video. a pretty your first video part yeah, uh, yeah first like big video part there was I, I used to film with theory three which is um an older older company and i still work with uh, uh the director camera guy um to this to this day um he, he was with solomon free ski tv and now he does the the blank collective there um yeah it's funny how like long a bunch of us have been in there you know it's it's been a long time but yeah that the the matchstick thing was definitely like where like things started to change and get recognized and um it was a, yeah it was probably like the one of the more challenging years of my life like we bought snowmobiles in revelstoke like mine like instantly blew up and it was like the classic like i hear people's sled stories now and i'm like you guys have no idea like the old sleds were so so crappy like what we used so to heavy. oh so heavy they'd get stuck <laughs> they're so unreliable like I mean they're still unreliable but compared to what they are now it's like yeah it's crazy well but yeah, you it was, get so much less mileage out of them that you do out of a, a new sled now like a sled yeah totally last, I think Scott would we'd cap ours at like what eight thousand hours or something like that maybe even less and it's over like it's like that sled's not good anymore <laughs> yeah totally it's such a crazy thing and like 
I mean, the irony in all of it is like, I mean, the first sled was like a terrible investment. Um, it just blew up and was like a total lemon. But then the next year I bought like a newer sled at the time or a new, new sled at the time. Um, and that, that's probably like ironically, like one of the best investments I've ever made because um, as far as like filmmaking goes, um, it's just really easy to do when you're in the backcountry with a snowmobile it's just like the access to lines like not having to like rush people like if you're at the ski hill and you're trying to film it's just like you're rushing to lines and mm. someone always like skis across it and kind of ruins the shot or whatever so that's kind of like um was like a really good investment and and, and at, at the time like if you were filming for matchstick you were like really um they were like very intensive on heli trips, but you know, you're spending like 10 or $15,000 on a heli trip for two weeks. It's like pretty stressful. Um, and then, so luckily, you know, you'd get one or one of those a year and then the rest of the time you'd be on your snowmobile, like filming. Um, but I mean, that it's changed. I mean, I reminisce about that all the time. Like, so the back in this, this era, I mean, this is like 07, 08, kind of kind of in that range. And this is before social media or just like maybe the start of social media. And mm -hmm. you were just kind of expected to like film all year for this one like five minute video part. And that's was your job. It was like crazy. And you would spend like, I mean, we'd have you'd have hours of footage that just hit the floor. Yeah. Um, it was like the best of the best. Um, whereas now it's like, I mean, I've filmed parts in like two days now. You're, you're like, hey, we're coming into town. Like, this is what we have. And you're like, well, we'll go see what you get. And mm -hmm. Sometimes you get lucky and it works out. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's just, yeah, the whole, the whole thing's like really changed. Um, and now it's like you, you go out and film a segment and you're like posting about it on social media and you're like sharing it and yeah it's crazy yeah it's everywhere it's so crazy to think about uh just as you were talking about that what i'm thinking of is the investment like the actual dollar investment that would go into one of those original matchstick movies from if you looked at not just the the filmers the directors like the company but also every rider who's like the gas like and just the snowmobiles and the tools and just every and the time that's it's so crazy and yeah, then for, totally. and you guys wouldn't be getting paid for it would you like you get paid for movies back then i don't i feel like no, that's I mean, labor I, of love. I, that's like part no, of the job right no i mean it, we still don't really i mean i think it's like one of mm -hmm. the things that people don't really understand it's like so basically how it works for the most part is like a film company will go out and get a sponsor and then that sponsor will be like okay well we, you need to film our athletes mm -hmm. and so they'll so the sponsor will give the film company money to make the movie and then they give the athlete like a little bit of pay and maybe some travel budget to like go towards their portion of the movie but mm -hmm. for the most part i mean if you I mean, it's a classic small business example of like, if you ever had to like put an hourly wage on it, it would be like pretty, pretty horrible. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you definitely like, I mean, that's the one big thing I see nowadays is like the youth coming up, they're kind of like expecting um, 
to be making a bunch of money like right off the bat and it's like unless you're like the next like Jordan of skiing that's probably not going to happen it's like a slow grind and um I mean it took me years to make like a decent living at it and then Mm -hmm. you're like yeah you, you you and then there's just so many different aspects of it it's not just like um going out and riding the gnarliest line it's like being like writing your writing emails back like talking about product um yeah like all all sorts of stuff and creating um but yeah it's 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 very much a labor of love Mm -hmm. that that stuff for sure yeah and I think a lot of like even up and coming athletes maybe they realize it now but um even when I was in the industry they didn't realize that you're a brand ambassador too that that's a big part of the job is like actually marketing and representing the brand in a in a positive way yeah and and I think that's like the biggest thing is like you have to recognize that you're dealing with like a like I mean you can work for a smaller company but you might be working for like a multi-million dollar brand it's like you need to prove value to that brand and and how you do that like it's different for everybody it and I think that's like the important part of like staying true to yourself is like like what do I have have to offer and align um the brands with what what your what your strengths are I think is like probably like a really good way to go about that Mm -hmm. um and then and then like always like dancing in the in between the lines you know like I I hear it less now but I remember back in the day it was all about like selling out and stuff like that and you're like okay whatever whatever that means I'm still a bit confused as to what like selling (laughs) out means it's like I I get to ski for a living and it but it's a job like treat it like a job um Mm -hmm. like and not in a a bad sense of like that but like show up perfectly how you would expect to be paid for which is like generally it's professional um Mm -hmm. it's yeah I mean it's definitely something I see in the the later years of um professionalism is like when I show up um and and increasingly like it'll be into like paid gigs like if you get into like advertisements or something like that it's like it's like okay like you're getting paid a decent amount of money it's like I'm showing up and I'm like ready to go like I'm there on time I've got like all my gear together I can like read snow conditions I can you know like if we're dealing with avalanche terrain I'm like well trained in that um and so I very much look at it as like the professional part of professional skiing as you would in any other job um yeah yeah guys who are like almost like weeded out or lose opportunity and lose sponsorship opportunities because they don't treat it that way mm-hmm. totally yeah I think so I think it's like um I, I mean for me that's definitely why I've kept my career for so long I would say is like mm-hmm. um I've tr- treated it like professionally and then um just always like kind of had that in my back back pocket of like thinking about proving my value to the company I mean uh there's a pro photographer that I shot with lots over the years, Blake, Blake Jorgensen takes amazing photos. And he always said to me is like, kind of treat it like it's always going to end, you know, like, and then you like, mm-hmm. one, you're going to be hungry for it Two, You think like, how can I do better? And um, 
three, you just enjoy it because it, it's like this crazy thing. You know, I, I know my parents thought I was crazy when I was starting off on a pro skier journey. And like, like I, like, I never thought I could be around this long, but here we are 20 years later. And it's like, it's had this like incredible amount of experiences, opportunities, and also made a living doing it, which is a uh, super cool. It's like, um, I, I like, I like that aspect of like doing something a little bit different that is a little out of the norm. Yeah. Um, but, it, but, but all at the same time, I think it's like really important for people to like look ahead, um, especially for action sports, I think is like one thing that I see is like the youth is like, um, I, I've been like fairly lucky when it comes to injuries. Mm. I, I mean, at this point, there's an element of being smart about it too. Um, but, you know, like, you can get injured and you can get surgery and you can get back on your feet, but 20 years down the road, road that, that injury is going to come back and like arthritis or like anything. So just like, I think that's like really important to think about it. And none of that's worth it. Um, I mean, there's definitely days out there when it's like, all right, like it is perfect right now. And like, I am willing to go send it. And if I hurt myself, like, I knew that I, it was like the best possible day. Mm-hmm. And I, that's kind of how I've always looked at it is like, and th- those are like maybe three or four days a year, maybe. And mm-hmm. that's going out almost every single day to get those days, um, <laughs> you know? And, and, and then to me, I'm like, okay, if I like hurt myself or even worse, I today, it, it's an acceptable risk. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like, if it's like kind of sketchy out or like hard pack or the snow conditions suck and you're pushing it and you hurt yourself and you're like, that was really stupid. And you're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's stupid. Um, <laughs> that wasn't well, the day. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that's like something super important for people to realize. Um, and like, I've done a lot of like, um, like camps with Kapow guiding there and like just talking at like avalanche um seminars and stuff at the at the beginning of the year and that's like kind of always been my like um like one of my strengths is like okay these are the conditions like I am not going to jump a cliff today because it's like really not good but what can I do so Mm -hmm. and there's always something you can do like let's go out and shoot one turn wonders or let's go and like try and like do some hiking shots or something like that and that that's the important part because when you go on a trip or something um sponsors are paying a bunch of money there's filmmakers there like every like it's costing you money so it's like mm-hmm. regardless of what the conditions are you, you want to come back with something um yeah. but not at the risk of hurting yourself mm-hmm. um so f- finding that line of like um i mean that's the beauty about living in a place like revelstoke it's like you have all these beautiful vistas so it's like okay it's like crappy out like let's just go hike a ridge and we can get some shots there or whatever um Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like being creative creative like that I think well and that's going to be something I would imagine where your experience is invaluable where you can go on those trips you know a you have in the back of your mind like how much this is costing the company and everybody just in time and, and actual dollars and then you also know that there's you would have like kind of in the bank 
in the back of your mind, like all these other things that you can do shots that, you know, that you can get that maybe somebody who's new, new to filming doesn't really think about. They're like, Oh, well, the day sucks. Or it's like a really crappy weather day. So I guess we just can't get anything. Whereas you would know that, Oh, Hey, there's all these other things that we can do. Or also knowing the terrain that there's all this other terrain that maybe we could go check out. Yeah, no, totally. That's like, yeah. I mean, uh, I realize that more and more is like the, the, a lot of that comes with experience for sure. Mm -hmm. But we, you know, we've had, um, there's just so many people that have been in it for a really long time. Like even like Mm -hmm. that I looked up to and and to me that like, that's how I learned. I, I didn't do like a lot of like formal courses. It was like, finding an experienced person and like latching on and seeing how they did it and like mm-hmm. um that's where I, that's I mean that's kind of generally how I learn um mm-hmm. it's kind of like throwing myself in there and 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 learning it that way yeah. um but mo- most of those people like myself included it's like I I would love to like mentor people and like help them out and um try and figure out how to do it better because mm-hmm. it's not like there is like an element of experience to it mm-hmm. do you think it's easier it was easier back back then back in the day <laughs> 20 years ago or now to like be a pro skier i, like I mean really it's, so, it's so hard i mean it's so hard to answer that question but i i i don't think i would be a pro skier today if i was coming up um because mm-hmm. I never like I didn't necessarily have the drive to do it it was just like I love skiing and someone gave me a pair of skis and I and I chose to like embrace these opportunities and I was like really stoked to do it but I wasn't like I was just living it I wasn't like I didn't have this like set goal of like trying to do this this and this um which is like also like kind of very much how I live my life kind of by the seat of my pants but it's just kind of like what works for me it's like if I'm feeling it it's like it's it's working um yeah but like yeah I mean now today I mean so like there's there's two sides of it so um when I started to like get into matchstick they were using 16 millimeter film camera (laughs) which sounds so old and I'm not even that old, um, <laughs> but we were shooting on film and it was like, I can't remember what it, what the costs were, but it was like significant amount of money when that, that film camera came out um, that you did not want to screw up the shot. Like if you screwed mm-hmm. up the shot, that was like money that was just gone. Whereas today yeah. with like digital, it's like, did it really cost any money? Like not really. Like um, mm-hmm. you could just delete it if you wanted to. Um, but but so these cameras were super expensive. You need to know how to run it. You needed to buy the film. Like it was like a pretty high cost of entry. Whereas now it's like with a GoPro and like a iPhone and like the kids know how to use computers and edit it all and make it look cool. Mm-hmm. You can make these like really high quality videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need that. So the, the opportunity is there. I would say that the hard part now is there's so much noise out there because there's so many people creating these things that um, it's hard to stand out. Yeah. I think it's like the, the hardest thing, mm-hmm. but, but that being said, it's like the people, um, you know, like the people I see come into the industry um, 
the ones that don't make it more often than not there's a reason and then the ones that stick around there's a reason too and and they're providing value and um they're like yes people a lot you know they're like just stoked and like yeah i'll do that i'll try this like just like have this like happy go lucky and working hard and and generally speaking they act as professionals um and they they treat it as a job and they and they work really hard at it and um are really good at it so um yeah i mean i mean skiing is like kind of one of those interesting things or, or just doing anything that you love um is always a bit more challenging like I, i've run um like a carpentry company for a while and my heart wasn't in it like i did great job but it was much easier to make business decisions because my heart wasn't it. like yeah like i enjoyed it but it was like i could very much look at it as like a black and white issue i'm like well i'm not getting paid enough i'm not going to do that job like mm-hmm. whereas like skiing you're like well if i do that for cheap then maybe it's like a good investment in my future for this and like you can justify it all these different ways because like yeah. ultimately all you want to do is ski um and and that that that's like another point is like the generally speaking the people that i know that made it as professionals love skiing like that is like what they're about like they have mm-hmm. um yeah that's like that's their gig they love skiing more than anything like i mean one of the craziest pro skiers is tanner hall and he's like legitimately has a bit of crazy in him but he like loves skiing more than anyone i've ever met like it's crazy and it's mm-hmm. so rad and it's super inspiring um so yeah I, I find like that side of it like interesting and 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 really important um I mean, I, so I, yeah, I'm in it for, this will be my 20th year. Um, and it, it definitely has become a job. Um, so, um, recently, like probably in the last like four or five years, I really wanted to find like a different income, um, to like be able to like, look at skiing with like a fresh light of like, not just my paycheck of like how I pay my mortgage and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and nor like, you know, I'm, I'm 38 now. I don't want to get like pushed and screaming out the door. I'd like to end it on good terms and like, like how I want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And so my partner and I started a farm in Revelstoke and last year or like last summer, it was like, okay, that there's like money to be made in this farm but it gave me to the opportunity to like take a look at skiing this past winter and being like, what do I really want to do with it? Um, yeah. without the, the monetary side of it. Um, and it, and it made me realize that I, I just like, I actually really love being a pro skier. Like, the, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I like the filming aspect of it. Um, I, I also just had a, a kid, so it made me like examine, um my risk tolerance um mm-hmm. which was super interesting but it, it was funny because it was like you know I found out I was having a kid and um and was like exploring like what pro skiing meant to me this winter and, and kind of what I've realized is like my risk tolerance mainly from um poor experiences has just been going down and down and down mm-hmm. um and I've just kind of found this like manageable level of where um i'm happy with it 
um, there's always going to be risk, but I just like, um, I really enjoy making films and I really enjoy the creative aspect of it, of like putting together a trip um, that works out really well. And then I really enjoy, so like when you go skiing with your friends, you know, it's like, if you're touring or at the hill, you're like, I'm going to hit that cliff next time or whatever. And, and you never look at it close enough. And then you always get to the top and you're like, I don't really remember what this looks like. And you're always like, go slowly to the edge. And then you're like, oh yeah, it's fine. I knew it was fine. I should have just like skied into it, you know? Whereas when you're film skiing, it's like, you get to the bottom, like everyone kind of like starts looking around at the zone and picks out their line. Mm-hmm. And you have like binoculars out, you have your camera taking photos and like really studying these lines because if you stop in the middle of it, that will never make the movie. Um, yeah. So it's just this like amazing opportunity to like really um, hone in these these different lines that um, you just don't do normally, you know, it's like you don't put in that time. Um, so that that's like kind of what I realized is like, that's the kind of skiing that like I really really have fun on because when when you like do your homework and and the snow conditions are right it's it's pretty easy mm-hmm. like it, yeah. like it, it's it's it it I mean of course there's like you're scared and you're dealing with like fear because if it's not that scary it probably won't make the movie but um <laughs> like that's like a whole different element it's like really putting your like time in and like focusing on this like big long like mini project and like and then executing um and then doing that a couple times a day and then it like you do that and you get all the pieces and all of a sudden you have like a big bigger project um so i i kind of realized that i like really enjoy that that aspect of the the professional skiing side of things Mm -hmm. on the like talking about just loving loving skiing and loving what you do do you think that you would feel the same way if you were, because there's like, I just want to talk for a minute about free skiing versus like say competition skiing, which I know are, I know for the snowboard industry, it's similar. It's like you, you kind of have these two paths and two options as an athlete, or you could do both, but uh, you tend to like kind of gravitate towards one or the other. Do you think not having the same amount of pressure to compete keeps you almost like more engaged and keeps it fun I guess is almost what I'm getting at is like the fun aspect is there versus the like turning it into a job where it's you have to yeah, meet, I, like go to a certain amount of competitions get points etc yeah I mean I feel like the people that like are into the comp you're either in good at comp competing or you're not mm-hmm. there's like not really I mean I guess I was like a bit of an in-between but like I mean back as far as ski racing go I was the guy that like you know you'd you'd film or you'd uh time training runs and you'd be like near the top mm-hmm. and then on race day I would blow up and the guys that were blowing up in training would like excel you know like the the people that are really good at co- competing are like they excel under those conditions um mm-hmm. so I think they love it I mean if you're doing well at competing they're like what's not to love there mm-hmm. um that's what that's what drives them it's like a different different mindset maybe yeah yeah I think so I mean it, mm-hmm. it and and it, it's like it's very like tangible like especially like in mm-hmm. the the like the free ride uh world tour or something like that um in skiing it's like 
they've controlled the slope. Um, you're not making avalanche decisions. Um, you're kind of just like, this is my arena and I'm going to try and do like the most badass line possible today. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of like how you have to look at it. Um, but increasingly like those competitions, like when it's good, a lot of those lines would be an amazing film line too. Um, like it used to be like they kind of zigzagged across the, the mountain a bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, I certainly like did a, a fair amount of, um, competing at the start it was just kind of like the way that you went but mm -hmm. uh I'm pretty thankful I got into the film side of it to me it's more just like the conditions um it's like a conditions thing like going back to like hurting yourself like the the, the conditions those guys throw down on in comps I'm like oh like <laughs> it's yeah. so crazy to me it's it's so high consequence and um yeah, I just, I mean, I love, ultimately, I love skiing powder. It's like the, that's my favorite thing in the world is skiing powder. And my second favorite thing in the world is skiing like deep powder in the trees with pillows. And <laughs> that's probably why I live in Revelstoke. Um, Number one, I'm not... powder. Number two, deep powder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it, it just, to me, it's like the, it's like floating down the mountain. It's the closest thing to flying and like the terrain in Revelstoke is so conducive to it um you know you, you're skiing down in these trees and like for sure there can be times when it's dangerous in the trees but sometimes it's like if it, there's no avalanche condition like danger and your brain is off on that side of it you are just like purely focusing on skiing down this mountain in the most fun way possible and that's like you get to the bottom and you're just like hysterically laughing like it's like yeah. when, what else do you do that I don't do all that on a bike I don't um I don't do that in anything else like the the hysterical laughing of like how could you possibly have that much fun and like that hasn't lost its effect on me at all um oh, pretty amazing yeah 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 <laughs> and I you know I, I like I mean it's like we're all so like it's like you ski in the in the winter and you mountain bike in the summer and the like the thing about mountain biking is you never like come back from a day of mountain biking he's like oh well how was your day it's like oh I, I fell a couple times it's like you say that after a ski day or a snowboard day like all the time mm -hmm. and it's totally fine but if you say that on a bike day it's like you're probably in the hospital like it, yeah it, it, it has like a uh like a sharper consequence to some degree mm -hmm. um yeah so, you yeah, have a lot I, less like talking about that risk tolerance too and those days it's yeah there's a lot it's a lot more forgiving yeah totally mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah and then i mean back to like the risk tolerance i find that's kind of like how i like align myself with people in the mountains and it just kind of happens naturally i find it's like you end up with like going out with people that your risk tolerance is really aligned with yeah um I like I mentioned earlier I was like really fortunate to grow up with um a good group of guy the Horlifsons and Kevin Yurtis and like I mean I can still go out in the mountains to this day with them and like we barely need to talk about anything it's just like mm -hmm. we're we're so similarly aligned um and it, yeah yeah I mean that's the the cool part about mountains is you end up with these uh friendships that 
like really are super super strong um mm -hmm. for that reason because you're like um your life often depends on it um yeah uh, and and their life depends on you so it's like it creates these like crazy tight bonds which is super fun and mm -hmm. like super meaningful and you've probably like after spending years growing up in the mountains too even together you've been through been through some shit and been through some stuff to get like together which forms further bonds you mm -hmm. yeah totally yeah no it's like yeah you yeah you definitely by the time you get to a decent age if you spent some time in the mountains you've you've seen your fair share of stuff and that mm -hmm. kind of like adds to where your like risk tolerance is and, and uh, all the all the that sort of stuff yeah so speaking of which is a good segue to not 2021 but was it 2020 winter or maybe no maybe it was early 2021 where um you guys were your buddy was caught in an avalanche and you had a super quick rescue which was amazing um i watched that video so i'll put the link on um onto this as well if anybody wants to check it out because it's pretty pretty cool and also a pretty good example of how to deal and how to handle and an avalanche situation do you want to tell us a little bit about that story <laughs> yeah that was um yeah I, I mean i mean that's the i mean i've had lots of close calls over the year but that was like the first time um that i've actually like had to take my beacon out and like um search for somebody Which, and it just so happened kind of blows my mind because yeah i mean been, like the 10th time for you no, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, uh, I've definitely gone for a few rides, um, myself, but always like come out on top or like fought my way out of them. Um, uh, Eric and myself had a really close call in the fresh fields a number of years ago, but we ended up on top as well. Um, but generally speaking, like, yeah, like not like close calls, but all also like fairly removed from it whereas this was like definitely like the most by far the most real that I've been a part of um so we were filming uh for this forecast magazine Toyota shoot where um is my buddy Noah Morrison and he is from Vernon and then I was obviously from Revelstoke and the idea was like I would show him my backyard and then he would show me his backyard and he he's a jibber he's like uh like x games like the whole the whole nine yard so he had basically no backcountry experience so i was kind of making the decisions that day um and and it was like one of those days where i knew uh it was early season knew we were pushing it a bit but we like eased into that day um mm -hmm. we'd we'd skied a bunch of things already and watched people ski a bunch of things and it seemed like things were like um pretty pretty glued in and so I like definitely teed him up on that line um unfortunately like he skied down aired the cliff and and uh he would have been totally fine but he punched fronted on the landing and started tumbling and then as he started tumbling his slough came behind landed off the cliff and released a slab mm -hmm. um but yeah so that was like the first time that I've like gone into full rescue mode um I practice a lot every year um obviously because it all felt like it's like the classic like if you hear like a doctor it's like you just like if you practice a lot you like you stop thinking basically mm -hmm. you're just reacting 
you're just like kind of doing what you what you train for Mm -hmm. um I guess like one of my big takeaways was like how many thoughts you can go through in such a quick time like you're thinking it you're thinking about exactly what you need to do but you're also thinking about like he was like a newborn dad or like a new father had a wife and I was just like I yeah I mean that's what I was thinking of it's like this can't happen like this is not Mm -hmm. happening right now yeah um it's but encouraging at the same- to hear that that was like just that the almost like the muscle memory is there the memory the knowledge of what to do is there from practice because I'm always afraid that until you do it and you're in the situation that it's like oh my god what if my mind just like goes blank and the practice doesn't matter because you haven't actually been in the situation and all these other factors come into play so it's it's actually really encouraging for me to know that it's like okay if you practice it enough and you go over it and maybe run through the scenarios then that will kick in yeah totally I yeah. mean that's the I mean I I have this and you don't know until you have it like I didn't know mm-hmm. how I was going to react I always had that that deep down fear of like what happened like am I going to do it properly am I going to do that but um it's like I mean there's all the talk of flow state these days and that was like the definition of flow state for sure Um, Mm -hmm. you're like hyper aware doing things without even thinking about them Um, Mm -hmm. and that that comes from I mean like I say I practice every year but like really practice like setting up proper um, scenarios that are like as realistic as possible and like ideally like after after being in that situation and like being a part of scenarios as like those scenarios should get your heart rate elevated. They sh- you should be feeling those those feels. That's how you know um, that you're practicing properly. Yeah. Um, and and then it's it's not that much different. I mean, you kind of like it's like the classic um, thing I find. I guess as you get older, you know, you just kind of have to remove the emotion side of it. Like not take not let those like take over because that doesn't really help anything ever (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and especially in this situation it's like very like okay I I know how to do this like let's execute yeah Um, oh and you're so on it too which and even just talking about that that's um in the practice that makes sense that because I was like yeah just on a stats on a numbers game alone like 20 years this must have been a situation that you've been in but it's actually makes more sense that it wouldn't have been a situation that you've been in because you know what you're doing. Yeah. To, to, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the point. And, and like, for sure, there's like, there's luck involved for sure. There's like, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that, but um, I mean, that, that's my, like, um, like whenever we're doing like safety courses or whatever, that's like normally one of the first things we talk about is like how little incidences we've been in. Um, but for for sure we've been been lucky over the years Um, but yeah I mean I I think that's also like one of the elements of like why I love being a pro skier is like we had so many different angles on that that day um, because we were filming and then all of a sudden we have this like awesome education piece that we can share with people and uh, the forecast guys were like stoked to put it together and and did a really good job on the edit and um, i I think that's like a super valuable um thing to like have out there Mm -hmm. um well it's not that often that you can that you really can watch um 
like a full avalanche experience and rescue successfully um like just from and from multiple angles too like it was terrifying watching was ryan watching his head cam because then you're under it and you can hear it and you can hear him like kind of gulping and swallowing snow and it's like okay this is this is crazy and then watching your watching your camera as you go down and choose your line to get down to them and do do the rescue so it's pretty yeah it's pretty cool yeah and i do think it's like really really important for people to understand like the consequences of backcountry skiing um mm. is like it's like something that i've come to terms with there there is a risk to it um i personally have like fine-tuned my risk tolerance to like where i'm personally comfortable with it it's not going to be the same as your risk tolerance mm -hmm. um or like anybody else's for that matter but it it is like really important to understand like the real consequences of that um yeah we <laughs> i was saying we just had a kid and uh yeah if you if you were if you're somehow in a birthing room when you're younger you probably take safe sex like a lot more seriously like <laughs> seeing the, the actual consequences of that like yeah <laughs> both, both my partner and i said that at the end just like holy cow like that was yeah that's crazy yeah this is the best sex education you could give somebody is like here's the end result <laughs> totally and like i it's like i felt like i knew it you know but like and and i did and i like mm -hmm. but if you like ever were experiencing that you'd be like holy cow like i need to be like really yeah i don't know what i <laughs> i would have been a lot more scared for sure <laughs> it's but really gnarly yeah <laughs> yeah but it's like, yeah, it's the same. I mean, the the same for backcountry skiing and and just, I mean, skiing in general. It's like this, like classic. Like it can give you the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, mm. um, which which ultimately is what makes it so amazing. I mean, you you can't have the the highs without the lows, um, but the the lows can be pretty low. Like yeah. they're, they're they're pretty pretty crappy and and they're real and people's lives get affected from it and um that's a hard th hard thing to deal with and if you're gonna spend a bunch of time in the mountains um you'll deal with them to some degree um mm -hmm. so yeah let's talk about on that let's talk about fear like how much does fear come into what you do for for you specifically because you do so much stuff that's really gnarly so is it just like the fear just gets pushed? Like the more you do, you become more confident and then the fear just goes away with certain stuff, like certain size cliffs or I don't know. How do you deal with that? Or how has that changed and throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an element of that. Like you get more comfortable. The more time you spend in gnarly terrain, the more comfortable you get with it. Um, and there's like a confirmation bias that there's like an element of that to it for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We There was a guy that interviewed a bunch of pro skiers last year, myself included about fear. Um, and I think he was expecting everyone to be kind of like adrenaline junkies. And I was kind of towards the end of like, he had already interviewed a bunch and basically like his finding was like that we all don't particularly like fear um like i don't yeah like i certainly like 
if my adrenaline's going like I screwed something up probably to, mm-hmm. to some degree it's like that was like too loose mm-hmm. um for like my personal gain um like for sure at the bottom you have like a rush um going which I suppose is adrenaline but like um yeah like some of the times it's it's just like not not what you're um you're looking for because that means you like you weren't calculated um I guess I kind of look at it there's like a difference between fear and being scared um in the sense of like like if you are scared there's maybe something wrong going on so like something about your line or something about the snow conditions that you're like sensing that's like not quite there and um it's I mean it ultimately it's just an experience thing of like feeling out that like um am I scared or do I have fear um because if you have fear it's like it's you're pushing you're pushing yourself you're that's like part of the the fun of it is like you want to push yourself you want to do something better than you've done before that's like a a human instinct but um you don't want to be dangerous about it um uh so you're like trying to control as many variables as possible um yeah I mean I I guess a lot of it's the process um like a lot of times we'll go on a film trip that's two weeks long and you really start slow um for the most part I mean sometimes you walk in and it's perfect right off the bat and but even then you're going to start slow and like ramp yourself up and um normally like the biggest craziest lines happen towards the end after you've like slowly worked into them and you're like really feeling comfortable with snow conditions like you're you've been staring at particular line for a week maybe a couple days like really just like you know it's like you go on these film trips and we like take thousands of photos and then you're you're sitting in a hotel or in a tent afterwards and everyone's like on their phones like looking at lines depicting them and like you have these like fantasy lines um, and sometimes they go down because the conditions are just like right and, and you really work your your head frame your head space up into that that mm-hmm. moment um, but yeah I mean that's the the challenge you know it's like a lot of the times you'll be standing on top of a line and inevitably you're waiting for light or a film mirror or something like that and inevitably it's always on the scariest ones and you're like why am I doing this like this is so dumb um but I guess it's also like fun to like put yourself in that situation and and try and get through it and get through it safely and um yeah I mean there's lots of times that we you know you'll give yourself options at the bottom you'll like look up and be like okay I'm gonna like look at that from the top um I've really like predominantly most of my filming done is done ski touring now and for the reason that I can like really scope things on the way up like really have like a really good foot on it and it's a slower process whereas like back in the day we did a lot more filming out of helicopters and it was like this really fast process Mm -hmm. um and you can get good good eyes on but like not not quite as good and and I just didn't enjoy the fast pace of it I like like the slow the slow burn of it is like 
you know, it might take you an hour to get to the top of the line and you're just thinking about the line the whole way up the hike and like dissecting every little part of it and trying to get different angles on it. And so it's like when you when you actually like nail one of those big lines from hiking it, it's like you're like hours deep of being in it. So the, the reward is like super fulfilling. Um, is which is the part that I like and it lasts for a really long time mm-hmm. whereas like the this filming out of helicopters you might go ski the gnarliest line you've ever skied and then five minutes you're at the bottom and you're like shaking and you're like holy cow that was crazy and then someone's like okay what's next and you're like uh <laughs> you know get like, back up there <laughs> yeah the and, it, and it is and and you just like which is like totally fine and and uh I just you don't get to like you don't get to like experience that moment for um as long and that's like Mm -hmm. to me that those are the moments like that's the feeling that we're looking for it's like you're like totally content um you're like and it it doesn't last long enough but um you're like totally content you like nailed your line i mean the 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 flip side of that is when you screw up a film like most film skiers when they screw up a film film line they're pretty like hard on themselves about it for sure it's like because you get that one chance and yeah most you know most shots like you know a big a big big day of filming you're like maybe getting four or five lines in so every one of them counts um yeah yeah and then how often do this is more like a just an industry tech question how often do they want i guess ideally the line is like completely clean so once it's like already been ridden even like let's say you have one or two clean clean runs on there do they even want to shoot that again or is it like ah no we got to move on to a zone where it's like another super fresh zone yeah it i mean it totally depends i mean i mean filmmakers are pretty good at like cropping out shots and like shooting it differently and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. for the most part if they're i mean there's like i feel like the snowboarders do it more where they like go in and session stuff for a while mm-hmm. and there's tracks everywhere but mm-hmm. for 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 whatever skiing it's like um yeah it's definitely like yeah one at, at some point there's like too many tracks for sure yeah. um it was like I, the allure of the mountains where you're like okay well these guys it's like looks like a ski run now mm-hmm. yeah totally i mean there's definitely like an element of that's like when it's the most fun too when it's like a total fresh canvas and that's mm-hmm. when you're like your snow slough and and stuff like that is like the most real and like crazy and stuff like that so um yeah and yeah, then uh, uh, yeah yeah it's all a bit cr- crazy was, yeah um a question that i had was is how often are and it might be never are your lines and like what you ride or what you hit dictated by somebody else does that ever happen or is it usually up to you? I, I, I would, I mean, I would say it's like, it's a collaborative effort. Like mm-hmm. you'll definitely be like, Hey, check that out. Um, like, what do you think of that line or whatever? Um, but I would never, it's pretty rare when someone's like, you should go ski that. Um, <laughs> well, that, that's not true. Like you do say that, but there's no pressure, I guess would be my point. Yeah. That, that, like, no, like, that's not gonna work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like and I, it's like one of like the number one questions that you get is like 
where does like do you get pressured into skiing these lines and it's like mm-hmm. generally speaking it's the opposite um if you're if you're like stepping up to like a big gnarly line the filmmakers and the photographers are generally trying to talk you out of it they're like are you <laughs> sure like because like that most of like I mean most of the people I work with are like super experienced and they've they've seen what happens when it goes wrong and so and they they have to deal with it um, mm-hmm. a lot of the time so it's like they're not looking for that um, no. and I, I really respect that um, and 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 it, it, it's good I think it's good to be questioned I think it's good to like be able to like articulate why you think it's okay to go ski that line mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah but but yeah but it's back too yeah but it's very much like a um collaborative effort out there I mean like we're like the 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 crew that I film with now it's like um a smaller crew we don't have guides out there we're like very much out there by ourselves so it's it's like you're making all the the avalanche condition um judgments as a crew Mm -hmm. you get into a zone like um I mean we're all very Canadian so it's like which line do you want no you pick first you know like that sort of thing um it's not not a lot of like that's mine stay away from my line or whatever Mm -hmm. um and and normally it just kind of works out organically like you come into a zone and someone's like super stoked on something you're like perfect like I'll look somewhere else and um and I mean, that's the, the kind of beauty of it. It's like, you can have four or five skiers there and everyone's going to look at the mountain a little bit differently um, mm-hmm. and, and pick something differently, but um, you totally like help each other out. You're like, Hey, what, like, how do you think that cliff's going to be? Like, how would you ski that? Like um, it's, it's, it's collaborative in that sense. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So I can do some kind of close closing off questions here, but I was going to ask first, is there any trips or projects that you've done that have really stood out the most for you? Um, it kind of highlights. Oh, if you look back at the high, the, <laughs> the highlight I, reel. I, yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot for sure. Um, I, uh, I do not know the year. I've never been good with years, but we went to Svalbard. Um, in the dead of winter for like a month a bunch of years ago and it was to shoot um, a skier in front of an eclipse Um, it was like one of the yeah it was like one of the only places uh, or the only place in the world in recent times that would have the opportunity to see the eclipse um, with snow happening and so we went on this friggin' crazy expedition um and and we were like fairly new to expeditions at that time um but it had all these different elements of craziness and you're like on polar bear watch so you had to wake up in the middle of the night and get out of your sleeping bag in a tent and go and like watch for polar bears it was like kind of crazy but um yeah i mean it would, it would be hard to top that trip and then i mean we traveled to like the most northern town in the world in the middle of like it was the end of their winter um which is generally not when you went there like took snowmobiles like snowmobiled in this camp and then it could have just been cloudy that day and we would have totally not seen the eclipse and somehow it all lined up and we saw the eclipse and we got the shot and it was like full i mean you just 
you don't ever get that experience um there's like there's no way um and then so that kind of followed up um the next follow-up trip we did to that we went to uh, greenland and we brought a climate scientist along uh, with us um his name was alan hubbard and the premise of that movie was to like um to like alleviate our carbon guilt um, by bringing a climate scientist along and so we did some research and stuff on on the the uh, the uh, ice cap there um and and that was super cool and that was like i mean i knew about i mean i knew about climate change i knew how i felt about climate change but to that point i like wasn't vocal about it and i didn't wasn't doing anything about it um and so the, the movie was cool but like it was kind of the the after effects of taking that movie on tour um to premieres and people like really wanted to know like what we were doing for it and i'm like one of those people that if i'm going to talk about it i need to start walking the walk and um i think that was in 2016 so what we're like uh six years later and i've like definitely that's like really shaped my life for the last six years is trying to like um work on my carbon footprint and kind of do better for the world mm -hmm. um so that, that's probably been the most influential um in my in my life for sure mm -hmm. um yeah and th like after guilt trip we made a movie that is probably one of my favorite movies called curve of time and that was like the the first year after guilt or kind of the follow-up to guilt trip and greg hill and i um it just like kind of shows the process of us changing our our paths um and jordan manley put it together and it's like the yeah i'm super proud of that movie it, it's like a really cool cool way to do things and um greg's a fun person to do stuff like that mm -hmm. with because it's like it's just fun um yeah it's like you don't have to like you know we went on this crazy electric road trip to ski those volcanoes in a nissan leaf that had 150 kilometer range and we drove like 4,000 <laughs> kilometers in 10 days like it was <laughs> it yeah. was not for everybody but <laughs> we had a we had a blast like it was amazing uh it was like a super memorable trip um mm. and the, and then then it just kind of like you're like okay like making changes isn't doesn't have to be bad we look at it with such a negative connotation so it's like it was like fun to do that and it definitely like really snowballed from there mm -hmm. and cool to see what you can do um kind of even in 2016 that would have been a long time ago like technology is very different now <laughs> but uh it would have been really cool as yeah as um like ambassadors in that way to show what's possible yeah totally and i mean that's like very much the the i mean i guess that was like a bit of a turning point in my career of like i made a name for myself and um have a bunch of followers and all those things and it's like okay what do i want to talk about um mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the thing that i've latched on to and and that i'm passionate about um these days and th that's like the the beauty of um becoming a pro skier and or a pro anything like a uh, a public figure of, of some sort is like you spend a lot of investment and time of like making a name for yourself but once you have a name for yourself then you can kind of start like really deciding how you want to like share that around and um, do the things that you're passionate about and that's that's definitely like where I'm at now for sure.
It's a really interesting marker because I'm noticing that it, it's a consistent theme amongst people who have reached a level of success is that at some point you reach a point where you start ideally uh, giving back or like really becoming a positive, becoming a really positive influence in, in whatever way that you want to like, and that's, that goes like across the board with like people who are successful in business or finance or sport at some point. Yeah. They reach, it's like a, I see it as like a sign of almost like professional maturity or success maturity, where it's like, you have that the almost like the freedom to be able to do that. And the platform, as you say. Yeah. And like, also, I mean, I guess like, um, I, I, in, in my career, I've had the moments where it's like you, you hold everything so tight. You're like every little decision. You're like, should I do this or should I do that? I don't know. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. what, what did they think I should do? Like, should I do what they think? Like you're just like overthinking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's like almost like a, a stage in everyone's career where you're just like, all right, screw it. Like, I'm just going to do what I feel is like my best. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Cause I like gave it my best. And to me, every time I like refocus on that, it like everything works. It's like the, everything like falls into a line and it's like, it's, it's very much that, um, and, and I feel like I have to remind myself of that every couple of years. It's like you start getting swayed. There's so many people that like want you to do this or want you to do that. Um, and like figuring out that like balance of like being relevant, but also like staying true to your values. Um, mm. Because like ultimately, like when you are feeling good about you and what you're doing, that's when people like want to be a part of it. Um, and you like you bring that energy to people um Mm -hmm. I think is like part of it for sure and like business is no different like I I mean you hear like Elon talk like like definitely like uh someone that I look up to a lot that guy doesn't care about money like he didn't money like the world's richest man he like does not care about money he like wants to do what he wants to do Mm -hmm. and that's why he's successful Mm-hmm. If he was to look at money, like starting Tesla and stuff like that, it's like, there's no way, like, like, I mean, it's still not making money, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. it's like that, like to create that change, you just have to go out and do it. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. That's, a, yeah. that's okay, too. But yeah, like money is not the reward for him or the goal. No. And, and when I say it doesn't work out, like most of the time it does work out because if you're like passionate about something, you are going to work your butt off until it does work out. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, within reason, obviously, but like, uh, I I find that with like most entrepreneurs, it's like, I think it was like Fred from Rumpus. He was talking about like COVID because they basically like, were just starting to like hit their stride and then COVID hit. And he was like, well, it's like having a baby. You don't just let your baby die. Like you like figure out how to like keep it going. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, that's business entrepreneurship in a nutshell in my mind. So it's like, okay, here's the problem. How do we fix it? What do we do next? Like mm-hmm. um, you're just always pivoting, um, which I, I find super interesting. And I'm mm-hmm. definitely like attracted to like that, that business mindset of like, just like, having a problem but it's not the end it's just like how do we work 
how do we work through this? Okay, we can't work through this. What are our next options? Like, it's just like a very like systematic like way of doing it where you're like always moving forward, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that it's almost like, like Fred with like, it's like the baby. It's like, well, I can't get rid of my baby. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's not an option. And it's not like failure is not an option, but giving this up, that's not the option. You know, yeah. it's like, there'll, there'll be a way that it will, that we can push through, but not doing it doesn't come to mind. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just like, how do you fix this? And, and yeah, I mean, um, small business is like definitely not for everybody. And like being a pro skier very much is a small business of, of, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, when you look at small business and your hour, hour, hourly wage, you probably never actually want to look at that because it would just be disheartening. But, um, mm-hmm. once you've done it, once you've got into it, you, there's like that you're stuck. You're, you're not going back to the other way. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's more fun and, um, exciting and yeah, just like, I don't know, gives, gives you that hustle that if it's not going to work, um, then you don't get to pay the bills because you're not (laughs) the only person that you're relying on is you, you know, like, so, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a good, good motivation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay. Well, I'll do wrap up question is, um, what is next for you? (laughs) (laughs) What's coming up? I guess what's coming up this winter? Um, uh, there, (laughs) it's a, it's a tricky question right now. Actually, there's some change going on, uh, with me. I'm not, yeah, I'm not quite ready to talk about it. Um, but I guess what's like really inspiring me right now is um, like a kind of like sustainable ski segment around Revelstoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been pitching it for a long time, but I think it's like time to like make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, there's a bit of like element of like um, wanting to transition out of uh, like like the full pro skiing and getting more into like product development stuff that that's a side that's always been super interesting but um ultimately like I guess that that's like when I looked at my whole ski career last year and like what I wanted to do with it it was like very much like I'm I'm not done Mm -hmm. I'm I'm uh I'm like still super passionate about it um and there's a, a few more things that I'd like really like to do before it before it all ends um and and if it ends that's that's fine too um uh i'll just keep skiing for fun so it's like kind of all all works out um but yeah the the farm business is definitely taking up a lot of uh spare time and energy these days but um, Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see where that goes too yeah i'm excited to see it's just been so awesome watching uh watching your career and even just like some of the stuff you talk about, like some of these trips and you're so good at the marketing side of things. And I don't know if it's because I follow you and I don't follow a ton of other pro skiers, but I feel like you've done such a fantastic job on that. on just like keeping up with content and what you're, what you're doing. And it's made it really easy and really enjoyable to like follow your progression over the years. And then watching, like, I know exactly like when, or not exactly, but it was like, obvious and palatable when they like more of the um like the climate change aspect came in because you started to see more of these projects and more of it on your social media and 
yeah, it's just been cool to watch your career unfold over the years. And then now is, uh, yeah, with your kid and Jesse and with the farm and following you guys too. It's, it's all just so exciting. Like, yeah, it's a no, cool it's, journey. it's, yeah, it's great. I mean, that's what life's about all, all of it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting how wrapped up you get, how worried about it you are when you're younger and then you start getting older and start looking back and you're like, well, it's like a pretty cool life that, that we've lived, um, mm-hmm. which, I, which is like, to me, that's like all I, at the end of the day, that's what I want to, when you look back, be stoked on it. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been like, so, so fortunate. It's like one of those classic things of so many different times in my career. It's just like been at the right place, right time. Mm-hmm. um like for example like the um like I guess it would have been my like in my 30s there like it's kind of like the end of where like what would be your like classic end of your like really like throwing down part of your career mm-hmm. um traditionally that's when like ski touring started getting popular and we like ski toured all the time anyway so it's like we have to be right there and none of the companies knew what they were doing so we were like super well positioned but Mm-hmm. yeah I mean I've just had like amazing mentors for both the business side of things and the skiing side of things and um that's like really helped me with my voice and um like how I present myself and um yeah coming coming from the Rockies like gives you like a really healthy dose of being humble um both towards the mountains and both as a person so mm-hmm. um I feel like I attribute a lot of my success to to that side of things too Mm-hmm. but yeah cra- crazy ride I I mean I would never would have guessed it 20 years ago not even not even half of it for sure mm-hmm. uh, so I feel really fortunate mm-hmm. about all that there's a lot to be said too like it's easy to pull out like where the key like success factors are of like having the mentorship exactly as you said being in the right even just like being in the Rockies and having that as a place to grow up and be your backyard and and then just even just sticking it out you know it's like if you do something and you're committed to it and you're professional and you enjoy it for long enough then there's a pretty slim chance that you won't make it like you should (laughs) yeah totally totally yeah Yeah, and like not always having like a defining thing of like what making it is too it's like enjoying Mm -hmm. the ride and 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 just yeah doing stuff without feeling like you're entitled to get stuff back just doing Mm -hmm. stuff because you it's like what you want to do I think it's like really important um Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean it's it's I I mean I I would say that's probably one of the the hardest things about it is like staying true to yourself um and it change it it that's like a rolling or a sliding scale you know it's like sometimes you are like totally selling out and not doing something that you you like and and that's okay too like it's a job um Mm -hmm. there's elements of that but like trying to like making sure that you're like you still have the passion and love for doing what you do so it's like that's the worst I mean that that was like the problem with ski racing that I saw is like so many of my friends that I grew up ski racing with they stopped ski racing and then they stopped skiing and that, that was like never right to me yeah um because I mean skiing snowboarding all of it being in the outdoors is like such an amazing thing that we have like it doesn't matter if you're jumping off of cliffs or like 
doing a pizza down a groomer it's like it's the same thing mm -hmm. um and it like it brings you the same emotions so it's like uh i think it's the more people that do that the better really and, mm -hmm. and enjoy that um yeah yeah and i like like the idea of following what what is both like true to you and then what you enjoy as well um and being because it seems that's also like a common theme that it's like just sticking with what you know it's like your gut almost and what works for you both on a risk level and who you work with and what you do and the decisions that you make um and even the stuff that you you know that you're vocal about it's sticking with what what is important what's real for you totally and none of it happens overnight i mean i'm mm -hmm. sure you know as well as anyone you you have periods of your life where they're quite chill and there's not a lot going on and and i mean like as like starting small businesses it's like those are the times that i realize now is like the times when you gather energy and inspiration for what's next because generally when you start down a path of deciding to do something a business or an idea it's like the balance isn't there mm -hmm. um <laughs> you're you're so busy you don't know what to do with yourself um so I've yeah it, it's definitely like learning to take those times of like down down times mm -hmm. and enjoying them and mm -hmm. I feel like as you get older those down times get shorter and shorter but you get better at recognizing them and being like okay I'm gonna chill right now because I don't yeah. get to chill this is the time to chill <laughs> yeah you have five minutes <laughs> yeah but kid, i'm stoked for the kid for that because he just like makes you makes you chill you're yeah. like i am not going to be productive now there is no possible way and you just have to be okay with that so totally yeah but so far it's super fun so yeah oh and there's like well we're both just like new into it you know so i just know that like seeing other people with kids especially in revelstoke and in the mountains and stuff there's just so much cool stuff you know it's a whole another phase um, like you've had this epic like 20-year career and it's like the next 20 years are gonna be so crazy too totally yeah totally yeah. no i'm like so excited to teach him a little bit of what i know and maybe he'll listen to some of it maybe he won't that's okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean he he came he, half of them is mine so i'm sure he'll have a bit of sass to him for sure so <laughs> hopefully awesome uh well chris thank you so much um to close this off how can people find find and follow you and support you uh yeah i mean just like i mean i guess the most active is on instagram which is just my name chris rubens r-u-b-e-n-s um on instagram and yeah facebook and i guess that's about it and yeah i don't know just buy solomon skis and <laughs> um yeah no support the sponsors but no i mean i i would yeah. say more than anything it's like uh i guess my two things would be the go out and enjoy the outdoors and if you can do something good for the environment because mm -hmm. um, everybody doing something good goes a long way so mm -hmm. yeah and I'll throw in to hit up the farm stand in the Big Eddie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a whole different element. Yeah, the, the farm stand in the Big Eddie or at the farmer's market. Uh, yeah. Or eating at 
pretty much any of the restaurants in Revelstoke. Mm-hmm. If you eat a salad there, there probably are greens. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Chris, thank well, thanks you for so the talk. Much.